You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, it's me, Bridget here. I had the honor and pleasure of chatting with my dear friends, Tony Abaganum and Julio Bermejo from the upcoming Tag Global Spirit Awards. Tony and Julio share their deep beverage industry roots love for great cocktails, all about their lifelong friendship, and how and why the Tag Global Spirit Awards are special, one of a kind, and have the first spirit competition ever to include education, tying in a charity called the Pink Tie Ball to benefit breast cancer awareness, and so much more. So grab your El Tesoro Tommy's Margarita and enjoy the show. and Tony, I want to welcome you to Served Up the Podcast. Julie and I are absolutely thrilled to have you on the show today. Privilege and honor to be here with you guys. Bridge, anytime I can uh, share a mic with you and Julie, it's a, it's a beautiful day. So thrilled. Thank you. I love it. I love it. You know, I know that the two of you, Julio and Tony, have been friends for a long time. And I think our listeners would love to know, and you know, I would love to know the story and Julie would as well. How did you all meet? And Julio, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Well, you know, it's a, I think a wonderful story that honestly, you know, when I was doing my thing at Tommy's, I kind of didn't have any quote unquote access to like the Tony Abuganams or the Dale DeGroffs or or the Gary Regans of the world. I was in my own little world. And by chance, I happened to meet a friend of Tony who started coming to Tommy's to to drink and eat. And Tony, I cannot remember her name. She was a wonderful person. I think she was the manager at a restaurant in my neighborhood. And I think you guys were dated or, or knew each other. And she brought you to Tommy's. I mean, no, that's you, my understanding. I you, hope I'm not too far off. I <laughs> know you're you're spot on. Her name was Sarah Atkinson. Oh, and Sarah. Yes. That's not like you to forget a name, Julio. You're you're it, brilliant. <laughs> well, especially I do remember she was beautiful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was 1995. And I had just gotten back from New York City and we were opening the Starlight Room. Uh, and I started dating the manager, which is never a good thing, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a great relationship. Sarah was was fantastic, and yes, she brought me to uh, Tommy's for the first time, and that changed. I mean, in 1995, you really didn't have much exposure to what 100% agave tequila was. I, I, I don't. I think Hornitos Reposado was my early introduction to 100% agave tequila until I walked through the beautiful shrine that is Tommy's uh, in San Francisco and met you. And you really opened my eyes and changed my world 
and what 100% agave tequila really is all about. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you, brother. Thanks for coming because, again, Bridget, our Tommy's is located in the middle of nowhere in the westernmost part of San Francisco, and it was nearly impossible to get any kind of recognition for anything out there unless you were the Cliff House, which is a very famous destination restaurant uh, at Land's End. And so when Sarah brought Tony to Tommy's, I mean, we just did what we were doing. We didn't know that it was really groundbreaking per se. We just thought it was the right way to do things. And we weren't looking for any accolades or recognition. We were just looking to put, you know, butts in the seats and to show people this 100% agave business, even though it was difficult to get people to try it neat. We got people to try it through the Tommy's Margarita. And Bridget, this actually affected you uh, several years later because that was the first time I ever saw limes being squeezed a la minute at the point of making the drink. And at Tommy's, I don't know how many thousands of limes you squeeze a night, uh, Julio, but from that, when I opened the Bellagio with Bridget in 1998, it was Julio that drove like 500 lime squeezers to the Bellagio so we could do fresh hand-extracted lime juice on every drink that we did at Bellagio. And we did. I mean, it was amazing to be in a casino environment and be making all fresh. And and Julio and Tony, it wasn't just that it was all fresh. It was like 99.9% comped drinks as well. But wow. even though we were giving it away, we still kept the integrity of the cocktail itself from the ice to, to the fresh juices. And I remember seeing that, that lime press coming over the bar by Tony. And my first thought was like, Oh, holy shit, this is going to take forever. (laughs) But then he really proved that no, actually it doesn't take all that long to make a Tommy's margarita. You know, it doesn't take that long to press, you know, to hand press a lime. So, so thank you for that. Thank you. You're very welcome. I think the most interesting thing is if you are going to use a Mexican elbow, <laughs> I think your team really has to do like a five second or 10 second exercise or warm up before <laughs> to stretch your elbow, stretch the hand and fingers, just so you can be efficient and not hurt yourself. Like anything, you know, Michael Jordan isn't good because he's lucky. Everybody practices and we make it look easy, but uh, it is a lot of work still vis-a-vis the way most everyone wants to make a margarita. That is just fascinating because I think as somebody that enjoys our margaritas, we take for granted that, you know, I I don't expect to ever get a margarita without fresh lime juice. So not to date you guys, because I know you're very young men, but what (laughs) year was this when you met when, you know, and, and to hear you, Tony, say that, that was like one of the first times at Tommy's that you would see fresh lime being squeezed into the drink right before serving. I mean, I don't even remember a time like that. So tell us a little about that period. No, you're, you're right. I mean, we take it for granted today that you're going to get a margarita, you're going to get fresh juice. But um, then it was pretty much artificial imitation, sweet and sour mixes that were going into everything, you know, the fluorescent green stuff that left luggage on the roof of your mouth, like a Samsonite carry-on bag. Um, but 
Today, it is the case. But back then, that was just at the cusp of when this fresh movement, when this resurgence in the craft of bartending was taking place. It was 1995. I had spent two years in New York City where I had the great pleasure of meeting Dale DeGroff. And Dale was doing this at the Rainbow Room. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, I've been bartending at this point for over 10 years and I've missed something. And Dale, this light bulb went off. And when I returned to San Francisco to team up with Harry Denton and reopen the Starlight Room, I wanted to kind of mimic what Dale had done at the Rainbow Room at the Starlight Room. And that for me was really, you know, the tipping point in 1995. And from there, that grew uh, this whole, I mean, I'm not saying we grew it, but I mean, we were kind of at the base in San Francisco of this resurgence. There were always great places like the Tommy's Margarita, like Bix, Doug Beater back over there, um, the Balboa Cafe, places that were ahead of their time and doing fresh, but really, as Julio said, weren't getting a lot of notoriety for it. the Starlight Room was a pretty great platform and the time was right. You know, I like to say I, I came along at the right time with the right message and the right opportunity. And, and that attracted uh, Steve Wynn's people at Bellagio and, you know, the rest is kind of history. Hey, Tony won't say it, but I will. It was the Starlight Room in San Francisco that put classic cocktails on the map in the city mm-hmm. and led everybody to start following what he was doing. And again, when you and Bridget and the whole Bellagio team did that on such a grand scale. You truly proved that nothing was impossible. There were now no more excuses to quality fresh drinks because certainly a a place like ours is small enough where even if there's a line out the door, um, you know, it's still not thousands of people like at Bellagio. I remember one time, Tony, you told me, like on a weekend, you made 70,000, or not you, the whole team made 70,000 Prima margaritas, you know, <laughs> on a weekend, right? And that's just one of the 20 drinks on the list. So you totally proved that there were no more excuses to having to take shortcuts for quality in cocktails, right? On any scale. I wish I was working on commission back then. You know Indeed. what? I, I Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Guess, guess what? I was making them. Um, I think you you do have those stats. So, Tony, you know, how many how many cocktails were we making in a day? Yeah, I mean, back then, and I'm sure it's gone up from from uh, today, but it, it would average between 25 and 30,000 drinks in a 24 hour period. And remember, that was 29 different bars. You know, we had over 200 bartenders and 150 commies to the bar. And, you know, it was a lot of the bars were open 24 hours and it was busy back then. And, and people oh. were, you know, were drinking and having a good time. And, you know, it's that you touched on it, Bridget, but you give people a better experience, be it a plate of food, be it a show, be it a drink, and, and they're going to come back for that. You know, if you have a great experience, you know, you're going to remember that experience and you're going to come back for it because now you've you've changed your perspective of what a margarita can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's just, I, you know, I mean, I love hearing the story and, you know, Julio, I would love to know because, you know, I I got to know Tony a little bit more and and we interviewed him and, and who he says, you know, was one of his biggest mentors, Dale DeGroff, that really got him thinking of this modern, um, 
you know, cocktail culture, who was it that really inspired you and, and got you kind of in this cocktail world? Um, that's a really good question because I definitely backed into it, right? So I was the youngest child of an immigrant family with five siblings, and we all worked at the restaurant. But honestly, I hated working at our family's restaurant, and I hated service. I hated hospitality because I was very embarrassed to clean after someone, to take orders from them, to serve them. And, you know, I started peeling potatoes and and grating cheese when I was seven years old or younger. But as I grew older and went to university and graduated from the University of California at Berkeley, I would be embarrassed to have to work at my family's restaurant to, to make some money, right? Because I'm going to a good school. I'm, I'm in a good program. And to see my friends come in with their families and have to serve them, it I felt like, I mean, I was embarrassed and I felt belittled. But what led me to love the bar and love service and hospitality was honestly falling in love with drinking tequila, right? And, you know, as a young person from Southern Mexico, uh, where traditionally tequila was not enjoyed um, and drinking a lot of superior beer and, and, uh, um, and brandy and rum with Coke, getting hung over was the worst experience <laughs> of my life. And one day my friends and I decide, well, why don't we steal like a bottle of tequila from Tommy's and see how that goes. And we actually took a bottle of old or not at the time, but of, three generations by Sousa. And all we saw that we felt differently on this stuff. <laughs> and that would eventually lead to me stealing a bottle of Eridura Reposado. And that changed my life forever. I mean, it became an expensive bad habit, right? I mean, <laughs> obviously we weren't paying for it, but <laughs> a bad habit and expensive for the restaurant. But through that, you know, we were making what, you know, like Tony said, margaritas with lime green fluorescent sweet and sour and stuff like that. And we decided to change it. I mean, to use some fresh lime and to eventually use agave as it became available. But then it was only when I started meeting people like Tony that that inspiration really uh, 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 came to me. And I started seeing that there were other people that really had an interest in, again, doing things the right way. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, down the street from Tommy's was one of the highest volume restaurants and most prestigious restaurants in San Francisco. That was El Sombrero. They were there for 46 years. They made all their tortillas by hand. And they actually made a margarita with fresh lime. But there was never any regard for what in my opinion, is the main ingredient, right? The tequila. So in, in our case, again, we didn't know anything like anybody else. We poured regular or mixto tequila. But the minute I had the experience with Eridura and, and started to learn that things were different, I didn't really worry about cost because I was, it wasn't coming out of my pocket. But, you know, the decision to start using 100% agave tequila as the well product was pretty monumental. And I didn't see that anywhere. Everyone did it in their top shelf. 
but eventually we would just get rid of the top shelf and have a standard top quality cocktail that was the start of a journey for any of our guests that wanted to take it. And that journey would be completely predicated on the flavor profile of whatever tequila he or she would order from our limited selection, right? But again, starting to travel, going to other bars, meeting people that it interests, not just in agave or tequila, but whether it was making the cocktail or a particular category was really an eye-opening experience for me. And throughout my personal journey, it wasn't just Tony, it wasn't just Dale. There were people in, in Europe, people in Asia that really helped reaffirm what I thought I was trying to do. Because it's really scary, especially when it's your family's business and everybody talks about, let's do the right thing, let's use the best ingredients. But all of those things cost money. Mm-hmm. And when your competitors that are five times more popular, they get all the press when they don't do it and their margins are huge. I mean, you start to wonder if you're doing the right thing, right? You know, I just got to jump in. You hit on a, a great note. You know, we're talking kind of like mentorship and the people that inspired you. Um, and you, you are so true to these, all of these people and, and, and you have such a great following and reputation worldwide, why don't you talk about some of these people that you know from from London, from Singapore, from Brazil that are going to be joining us uh, in October in Las Vegas for the inaugural TAG Global Spirits Awards as judges, that some of these people that really going to differentiate what the TAG Global Spirits Awards really are able to offer people that are spirit producers that want to enter the competition and some of the people that will get exposed to their brands? Well, I I think TAG has really broken the mold in terms of judging because, you know, uh, spirit competitions are a dime a dozen. And, you know, a lot of the judges are fairly qualified. Um, I think TAG has really broken the mold in that all the judges are quite literally world-renowned. They're experts not only on a global level, in particular, where they come from. So, for example, you take uh, a Marcio Silva, who uh, was the principal partner at Guillotina in Sao Paulo, and now has uh, other bars as well. But he comes from a, a extremely sophisticated, not only cachaça background, but from his time at working in London, really got a hold of the cocktail experience that he took to Brazil and, and, and implemented there. And his ability to learn about all the great spirits of the world there brings a value because his palate, I mean, it's obviously, it's just like ours, but in Brazil, people eat different foods and they drink things in different combinations that may not be so common here, but that are greatly important to the 200 million people that live in that country. And that perspective is really important. Then you take someone like an Agostino Perone, who is the head bar manager, or the head bartender at the Conet, the number two best bar in the entire world, who was also voted the second most influential person in the drinks industry business this year. And Ago, again, from being uh, at work at such a prestigious venue, 
he is presented with literally every spirit that comes to market that would like to be in a venue like the Connet for evaluation. So it's a humongously difficult job of deciding what gets to be poured there, what what isn't poured there. Does it fit the criteria of what the Connet is about, etc.? And then his his background in hospitality and service and execution with his martini cart is one of the most glorious and opulent, yet at the same time precise. Uh, uh, making cocktail experiences anyone can have in the world. And then we go to Singapore and bring someone like Vivian Pei, who is in charge of 50 best bars for Asia and is a chef and is a blogger and a writer. And so as a chef that deals with all cuisines, but mainly Asian cuisines, her palate also lends beautiful things of pairing not just traditional Western cocktails, with Western foods, but not only Western cocktails with Asian foods, but these amazing Asian spirits, whether they be whiskeys from Japan, sojus from Korea, baijus from China. And again, it's not uh, just bringing people because they're from there. It's bringing people that are talented and can pair things together, can marry them and know what to look for, right? So it's truly an awesome thing that tag has set out to do, and I think um, we've accomplished it. Well, we I can't. Too. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say we can't forget about some of our wonderful judges coming from the United States, and um, we're very proud to have Miss Bridget Albert sitting as one of the judges. And I just want to talk a little bit, you know, about how important the right vessel to judge all spirits really is. And Bridget, I was lucky enough to have you sit with me for three days when we were writing Vodka Distilled and taste through over 100 vodkas. And we tasted them in several different glasses. And it's amazing how much the spirit, the same spirit changes in different glasses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it truly is. And I just just want to roll it back for just one second, because, you know, Tony, I've known you a a bit longer than I've known um, Julio. I had the pleasure and honor of working with you, you know, at the Bellagio and, you know, to, to the old good old days when we would see Tony walking through the casino and the bartenders would pick up the phone and call each other and say, the Eagle has landed, which basically meant get your bar together, get your music class together. Tony's in the building, you know, to where you are today to have these spirit awards named after you. And you have this team of just incredible experts behind you and dear friends like, like Julio, you're really, you, you're, you are all putting together something incredibly special. Julio, you said it the best just a minute ago, you know, spirit awards are a dime a dozen. So from Tony, you know, I would like to hear from you really what is going to make this competition stand out from all the rest? Well, thank you, Bridget. And thank you for your kind words. And, uh, you know, again, a big shout out to my partners, uh, Julio Bermejo and David Grapshi, and uh, bringing the whole team back of the house team, uh, Mark Deering and Jen Robinson, uh, you know, Andrea, my, I couldn't live without Andrea. Uh, keeping it all together and uh, Liz Edwards and the USBG and all the components that are going to bring and elevate the the Tag Global Spirits Awards. But Julio, uh, Dave and myself at Judge San Francisco, and I love the San Francisco World Spirits competition, nothing but praise for Andy and the team there. 
I was a judge for over 20 years, uh, director of judges for 11. And the thing that I always thought was missing was that uh, end user to be able to bridge the gap. You know, you have these amazing people, these professionals, these uh, personalities, you know, Salvador Calabresi and David Wondrich and Doug Frost and Dale DeGroff and Bridget Albert coming to Las Vegas. And we sit in a room for four days and there's no interaction with the end user, the consumer, the enthusiast. And the goal here is to bridge that gap, to let enthusiasts come to Las Vegas, come to Mandalay Bay in October and participate in dinners, in tastings, in fireside chats, in the Pink Tie Gala, rub shoulders with these uh, luminaries and get to experience what we go through, um, but also in a very social uh, environment too. It's an educational opportunity. It's a social opportunity. And like I said, it's, a, it's an opportunity to have a Negroni with uh, Dale DeGroff. I mean, can't ask for more than that. that Even that, I'm looking forward to that, Tony. You know, just <laughs> me too. Really catching up and, and, you know, there's never something I do not learn from interacting from people like Bridget and Dale and you and Ian and Salvatore and Vivian and Holly. And I mean, it's just a, ca- a lineup of incredibly smart people. That is such a beautiful thing, Tony. And I'm, I, you know, and that was, you know, Bridget beat me to it, but that was one of the things I wanted to know is what, what makes it different. And I love that it's as simple as kind of connecting that end user and having that consumer component, because as somebody that's not as familiar with spirit awards, obviously I've seen them. I see the scores that come out and it's, it's such a big part of our industry and and how brands get the recognition uh, through some of these spirit awards. So the fact that you add that consumer and give them the behind the scenes kind of connection is just incredible. Um, So, you know, congratulations on that, but I do want to roll it back a little bit. And I want to know, like, when did you decide, like, I am going to start a global spirits award. And what was that journey like? And how did you guys kind of partner on this? Cause I know it wasn't just a great idea and it happened overnight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it definitely didn't happen overnight. And I'm going to throw it to Julio because he, it really, it was him that came to me with the idea three years ago. And it's been, you know, kind of festering, festering, festering. And uh, after last year's competition, the three of us said, you know, it's time. And uh, so I, I, I thank Julio and Dave uh, for bringing the idea to me and then persuading me to say, yes, let's do this. In a pandemic is when you <laughs> yeah. guys plan to do this. Okay. <laughs> let's yep. not forget that. But I think, you know, like Tony said, the San Francisco International Spirits Competition is an incredible event. I personally just started noticing that for me, the most difficult part of San Francisco, which should have been the best part, which was judging on the final day. Once this incredible group of people had selected the quote unquote, best of the best spirit, we were then, uh, the entire group got to judge all these incredible things. But it was so fast that I felt I couldn't give my best work in an environment where there was so much pressure to judge so quickly things that are so incredibly well-made. And I'm not the, I'm not the slowest judge in the world. I, by no means I'm the fastest, but I just started thinking more and more that 
I think every single spirit deserves its due, whatever it is, and and deserves to be given all the the appropriate time it needs. And again, on sweepstakes day, it was so fast for me that I just didn't feel I was giving my best effort because I didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that I thought if we were ever going to do something like that, that we needed to not maybe rush it as much. And I, I get people have to leave and everybody has a schedule, but you know, every single spirit that enters any competition deserves to be judged in the best possible light. So not only by good people, in a reasonable amount of time and in a proper vessel, right? And so I think we've done all of those things. And again, it it was so logical to name it after Tony because of what he's done and what he has stood for and what he continues to stand for. And in the case of judging distillates, he always reminds us, hey, don't forget the task at hand. Mm-hmm. We're judging spirits. Yes, right? yes, I agree. And I've had the honor and the pleasure of being on judging panels with with the both of you. And I know um, I, I, I've learned so much from the both of you and continue to learn. I know that all the judges have because you do take your time, you do write the notes and, and you do want to talk about as well, you know, what you're tasting. And so it, it I know for the two of you, it's never been this big rush, rush, hurry process. It's quite the opposite. It's thoughtful. It's putting in the care and, um, and it, your process is also very fair with that said, and I'll throw it back over to Julio. Can you share with our listeners what the awards cadence will be? Are you doing like silver, you know, gold, platinum? Are you doing first place, second place, third place? You know, what, what can they expect? Oh, yes. Um, we're doing bronze, silver, gold, double gold, platinum, and then there'll be a, a best of show and um, second best of show. But the preliminary round will be uh, bronze, silver, and gold. And what's unique, though, is we've also determined among our, our group of esteemed judges that Uh, We will set up smaller committees to say, judge the platinum rounds. So for example, if there are 10 platinum rum product, there'll be a a small group that are rum experts that then will judge those platinum products on a point scale, right? Actually, everything's on a point scale that that basically correlate to bronze, silver, and and gold, et cetera. Um, And then we'll determine the quote unquote, you know, best of show and second place, et cetera. But it, it's really a smart way of doing it than just presenting, say, those platinum things to the entire group when maybe not everyone is, for example, a rum expert, right? So definitely showcase the strengths of the judges with the products as well. So it's, it's unique and it's smart. So each of the judges will have a specific category or, or does that happen once you get to the platinum stage where you have the judge assigned to a specific category? Yeah, How does we that ask work? Every single judge 
what their strengths were and, and from highest to lowest. But then again, when it gets to these platinum rounds, we'll already have assigned judges that, that we think are supremely qualified to judge those things where the nuance of, say, a platinum product that receives a 96 score can be differentiated from another platinum product that got a 98, mm-hmm. right? So at that level, they're all tremendous and extremely well-made, but it's the subtle differences that may push one product over the top per se. And just to follow up on that, um, from the platinum round, then the top three in no particular order will then be judged in the uh, grand finale on Saturday, where all judges will taste those three. And there'll be an even more detailed point system applied to that. So you'll be able to take as much time as you want. You judge on your own while people spread out. There's uh, very little interactive interaction at this time. It's, it's really about you and those three glasses in each category. So um, we're, we're really, really excited about the format that we've put in place for judging. And as Julio alluded to, I believe that it gives every entry, every glass, the best possible representation and evaluation. I'm so excited for October, you two. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, you know, just kind of going back to where we talked about really what makes the TAG Global Spirit Awards really special. And one of those things is bringing in that consumer element, right? Tony, I would love to throw it over to you. And can you maybe talk to um, the, the workshops that you will be offering and about the pink tie ball? Would love to hear what that's all about. Oh, thank you. I'm going to let you touch uh, on the workshop that you're uh, moderating, uh, Women in Whiskey. We've got an amazing panel for that. And like I said, I'd love for you to to touch on that. We're also going to delve into the world of rum. We have uh, some wonderful people uh, from our dear friend Ian Burrell will be joining us and Ray Edwards from Trinidad, who works with Angostura, Armando Rosario, who is the U.S. ambassador to Cachaca. Uh, just some amazing people to educate consumers on that category. So there'll be a tasting. And then during the day on both Thursday and Friday, uh, our dear friend Livio Laurel will be leading a couple of hands-on mixology demos. He's going to take people on a trip of Italy and the cocktails from that region, as well as uh, making great cocktails at home, breaking down the myths surrounding mixology. So taking these wonderful spirits and then putting them into wonderful cocktails. So this is, these are some of the educational uh, components that we're going to be featuring, as, as well as fireside chats where you can you know, rub shoulders with some of these personalities. We have our dinners, our festive dinners, five, uh, four dinners on Friday night that will be uh, led by people in the industry who are sponsoring a tequila dinner, a whiskey dinner, um, an Italian dinner, and then we're doing a vodka dinner at Libertine Social. So those are going to be great opportunities to be educated, be well-fed, and uh, also be able to spend some time with some of the judges and some of the presenters. So we're really, really excited. And to look out five years, you know, this is something that we're looking to grow and expand on, to really bring this to Las Vegas. And it's going to be great for the profession. It's going to be great for the end user. Uh, and I think it's just been great for Las Vegas. So 
I would I want to sit in on your session because you've got an amazing panel of uh, whiskey experts that are going to taste you. I, I, I don't some of the greatest things in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to definitely take you around the world. Um, it is myself. It's Miss Julie Reiner out of New York, Charlotte Boise. Um, we also have Lauren Mout and then we have Miss Lynn House, you know, who I've known for many years out of Chicago, Illinois all whiskey experts in their own right, whether it's in cocktails, how to taste it, how to apply it, knowing the history, it's distillation and all those good things. And so we, we really want to take those who attend the seminar, which is called Whiskey and Women around the world. And we're going to share with you all of our personal stories as well that we have experienced at distilleries or, you know, in cocktails that we have created and, you know, the reasons why we are in love with this category. So more to come on that. Um, could you tell us a bit, Tony, about the pink tie ball? Uh, well, thank you for that, uh, Bridget. I started the Helen David Relief Fund in 2010 in memory of my cousin, Helen David, to benefit bartenders and their families who've been affected by breast cancer. Helen uh, opened the Brass Rail Bar in Poirier, Michigan in 1937, along with her mother, and she ran it for nearly 70 years until her death at the age of 91 in 2006. And during Helen's lifetime, she survived breast cancer twice. So she was a big advocate and very philanthropic. So in her memory, I, I wanted to do something to give back and keep her memory alive and help those of us working in this profession uh, who are struggling with breast cancer. So the Pink Tie Gala on Saturday, after the grand finale judging, is a celebration, and it's going to benefit the Helen David Relief Fund. So proceeds, all the proceeds from ticket sales will go to the Helen David Relief Fund, which is part of the United States Bartenders Guild Charitable Foundation. And it's open to bartenders anywhere. You don't have to be a USBG member. And you know what it really helps with, Bridget, as you know, are those incidental expenses. The rent has to be paid. Uh, your kid needs a new pair of shoes. You need a new wig, co-payments, things like this, things that you're not, your insurance doesn't necessarily cover. So very, very, very uh, excited to include the Pink Tie Gala and the Helen David Relief Fund as a benefactor of the TAG Global Spirits Awards. That is just incredible. And and how long have you, how many years have you had um, the Helen David Fund? And I know that it's, you're very active throughout the year. Well, thank you, Julie. Yeah. I started it uh, on my 50th birthday, which was 2010. And I, in lieu of presents, I said, make a donation. I want to, I want to start this. And it's been, and Bridget was there from day one and we involved the United States Bartenders Guild as a 501c3. And one of our big things that we do, and you know, anyone who works in this business, this is, this is a difficult business. It's hard on your body physically. You work long hours and late nights, and maybe you're not taking care of yourself as well as you should. So I formed Team Negroni. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that the Negroni is uh, my favorite cocktail. And Negroni, Italians, bicycles, it all seemed to, to work well together. And Campari stepped up as a big sponsor. So we have uh, our bicycle team and we do rides around the country, both during Negroni Week, which uh, this, this year is in September, and during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is October. So, you know, to be able to take a little bit better care of yourself by getting on a bicycle, riding some miles, 
as well as to you know benefit those that are going through breast cancer. So if you're a bicycle rider out there and you want to join us with Team Negroni, now's the time to start training. Next month, I start my quest for a thousand miles for Helen, which I do in 31 days. So anyone who wants to join me, I'd love to have the company. Well, I'll have to have you meet my husband because he's a big cyclist. You can see his bicycles. He has two behind me and they're a part of the family. So um, I, you know, I think that's just such an amazing thing. And everybody in the industry knows about it. And, you know, another way that um, it really brings awareness to consumers to get involved. And I think that that's just so special. Um, and, and with that said, how do consumers buy tickets to, to this and where do they go? And, and, you know, what's that process? And are you still accepting spirits um, submissions and how do people get involved? Well, um, I, before we get off the bicycle, I, I just would love to get your husband involved. We do do a ride. We've done rides in uh, Orlando and in Miami. Uh, Julio Cabrero, who uh, is one of our esteemed judges from Miami and one of our rum experts. Uh, he's an avid supporter of the USBG, the Helen David, and has ridden uh, on, a, on a single speed, which is easier to do in Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. to it's flat. Groney. And I think he had a bottle of Campari strapped to the bike, but uh, uh, Julio's great. But you can visit our website, which is www.tagspiritsawards.com for all the information, both on entering the competition, if you are a spirit producer, as well as for the consumer events. And I believe the ticket sales go live the middle of this month. And they are very limited. We, you know, we're limiting all the events, trying to keep the COVID protocol so that we're being safe. The um, dinners will be capped at 60. The tastings will be capped at 60 with plenty of room uh, in the ballroom to spread people out. The welcome reception, we're taking over all of Libertine Social. That's Thursday night. That's going to be capped at 300 people. And then the Pink Tie Gala on Saturday, which is outside at Maria Pool, will be capped at 350. So these tickets are all going on sale. There aren't a lot of them uh, for year one, um, but we would really love to see people from all over who are spirit enthusiasts come to Las Vegas and share in the inaugural Tag Global Spirits Awards with us October 27th through the 30th. Can't wait. Can't wait. I do have a question for the both of you, and I would like to start with Julio. Um, What are you looking forward to the most with these Tag Awards? Uh, That's a great question because obviously it's the the, any awards are dependent on the number of entries that enter and who enters. And we've just seen over the years that even great products that, that the industry say may know and recognize as great are sometimes forgotten in the eyes of the, of the consumer. And then sometimes on the flip side, products that may honestly be mediocre have a very high perception in the eye of the consumer. What I'd really like to do is that hopefully extremely well-made products come to a better light, right? Because Bridget, I'm approaching this from a very different standpoint. You know, I have a saying that what's the most intimate thing two people can do? Well, it's obviously make love. 
What's the second most intimate thing humans do for each other? Is they give them things to put in their body. I make you a taco, an enchilada. I make you a Negroni. I make you a margarita. And from my standpoint, when I choose to put something in my body that I consume, and that's technically a class two poison like a distillate, I really want to know what I'm drinking. And I think a lot of times the consumer doesn't really know. They know ad campaigns, they're influenced by maybe celebrity or popularity. But I'd like to make sure that the spirits that are that that enter the competition that are truly well made get the right medal and get to be shown in their best light. And that well-made things become more preferred by the consumer and not just marketing trends or flavor profile trends. I mean, you know, I, I love the fact that we all love sweet things, but a well-made distillate can never be cloying mm-hmm. or taste of something sweet, right? I mean, it has to be bone dry. You know, a lot of times some of the things on the market that are very popular are truly not examples of things that are well-made. Mm-hmm. So elevating that experience for the consumer and showing him or her what maybe is just truly worthwhile to try and to taste. I think that is so important. You know, it's, is when you think of alcohol, yeah, it's all fun and the flavor and the flavor profile and the trends, but it is something that you're putting into your body. And it's really important that you are aware. So I think bringing that awareness to consumers is something that they never probably really have access to. Do you ask, because I know a lot of it is kind of the blind tastings. Do you ask for like details of spec sheets of the ingredients or or how their process is, or is it just strictly based on your palate and and smelling and and seeing the product? Well, certainly in the case of say a flavored product, the judges will be told the flavored product. So for example, if you're tasting 15 citrus flavored vodkas, or they wouldn't put grape vodkas in that flight per se. But but for example, in that regard, you know, there are wonderful flavored products that are flavored with natural essences that remind you of the actual flavor that they're trying to, to mimic. And then on the flip side, there are some, you know, you can get the worst artificial flavored strawberry there is, right? So, but there are differences. There can be wonderfully made flavored products And then just like there can be very mediocrely made uh, tequilas, right? I mean, it's the whole gamut. But then you depend on the judge's experience and and his or her ability to, to discern those subtle differences. But to answer even further, Julie, yeah, categorically, you'll know, as Julio alluded, you're tasting citrus vodkas, but you won't have any indication on... What brand what it, it is, yeah. or, or what brand it is, or Correct. what, um, how it's been made, or or anything like that. That's where you use your expertise. I mean, I yes. I can relate to you know blind wine tastings and and you know going through the the sommelier certification is you've really got to understand the product through blind, right through your through your senses, and from that you learn or you know for the most part how it's been made what process it's gone through, but you don't get that information. It's truly blind judging. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you'll just judge on what's in the glass. And again, yep. um, you'll know categorically what you're uh, judging in that round, but you have no idea of, of who produced it. What is any, any information other than what you possess uh, as a great taster. That's incredible. Tony, I would like to ask you the same question that I asked um, Julio, and that is, what are you looking forward to the most with the TAG Global Spirit Awards? We've been locked down now for over a year. You know, it's been a long time since uh, I've got to see a lot of these people that will be coming to Las Vegas, not only uh, judges who are, a lot of them are old friends. You know, I haven't seen Salvador in, in years, and I haven't seen Dale and Dave Wondrich, and, but new friends, a lot of people that Julio has brought on that I know of, and their reputation precedes them, but I, I've not met them yet. Uh, so just to have everybody together in such a wonderful environment is going to be fantastic. Um, and then to be able to share that experience with new people, with new consumers, people that may have, you know, read Dave's book or, you know, your book and, but never had an opportunity to actually meet, to see that connection being made. And that, that I think more than any of it is going to be the, the, the highlight for me, along with the Pink Tie Gala. You know, obviously I, that, that has a special place in my heart and I, I'm going to have a hard time probably holding it together Saturday night. So I might need your shoulder, Bridget. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it, brother. I think you'll have a lot of shoulders. <laughs> you know, Bridget, I don't think Tony, David, and myself wouldn't or would be doing this unless we thought we could actually make a difference. And at the end of the day, that's the true goal, right? Making a difference. There's no use in doing something if it's already been done the right way. Amen. I agree. I think you, I think this is, you know, um, it's going to change. It's changing the industry. I mean, you guys have already done so much with just your contribution in the culture, the cocktail culture and, and what's happened over the last couple decades and, and Bridget included and just bring it all together in, in the awards of how you think the awards should be set up for the judges, for the consumers, for the producers is just game changing. And I think we'll have, I know we'll have a lasting impact and I am just so honored and, and blessed. And I pinch myself that I could even have the opportunity to meet you guys, have this podcast, and then be able to go to the tag awards and be able to interview some of your judges on behalf of served up. And, you know, I know we talked about doing some served up live episodes. So uh, we are just so thrilled and can't wait. Um, this is, you know, really just the beginning. Yeah. Thank you so yes. much. Thank well, you. I, yeah. You know, um, could you maybe just one more time, tell everyone where to purchase those tickets, get them early folks, because they are limited. You're not going to want to miss this. So one more time, Tony, on where to get those tickets. Yeah, tickets will go uh, live the middle of August at tagspiritsawards.com. Um, we're so proud of our website. It's, it's really easy to navigate. And uh, George did a beautiful job putting it together. If you are a, a spirit producer, a small spirit producer, you go to the tagspiritsawards.com website. It'll show you how easy it is to enter your brands 
Um, if you're a producer that doesn't have distribution in uh, Nevada, we can definitely handle that as well. There's information there. But everything you need to know about the Tag Global Spirits Awards are uh, listed there, and uh, as well as some uh, introducing all of our wonderful judges. So you'll learn not only about where to buy pit tickets, where to enter the competition, but about the people involved in judging the competition. So come see us in Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay, October 27th through the 30th. It's going to be a, a fantastic weekend. What is the deadline to submit for, pro- for producers? For producers to, to enter is September 30th. So we're encouraging people to enter early. Uh, it really is, it helps us. We're capping it at 3,000 entries. We're only uh, accepting entries from spirits and aromatized wines. We're not doing any RTDs or mixers, uh, really focusing in on spirits and putting our attention on spirits, on distillants. So I encourage you to enter early, uh, enter your portfolio, especially smaller producers, a great opportunity to get your product in front of some of the world's finest palates. Love yep. it. And Bridget, like we say, there are lots of medals out there, but the right medal can really lead to in tremendous success. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just to take a chance, right? Well, take a, if, take a if chance. you think you make something good, I yeah, certainly would. Yeah. Yeah. If you think that it's awful, stay home. Uh, save your money. <laughs> Don't send right. it. Think it's really delicious and it's been made great. And there's just so many, anybody that takes Mm -hmm. a lot of pride in their product um, should definitely submit. So I I have no doubt you guys will cap out and, you know, probably maybe even before the deadline. So anybody Mm -hmm. hearing, you better get your product in. Yes, please. Um, I want to just take a minute to thank you, Julio and Tony for being on Served Up. I know that we're just scratching the surface here about the, the Tags Global Spirit Awards and about your friendship. Julio, I know that we're, we will be having you back on very soon. I'm looking forward to that. And like Julie said, we will be at the Tag Awards um, going live and interviewing many of your judges, singing the praises of this awesome spirit awards. And I want to, you know, just wish you both from Julie and I during this weird time that we live in, man, a lot of peace and some really good health. So thank you so much for being on our show today. Cheers to the both of you. Thank you so much. And let's do a served up episode on location in Jalisco. Yes, Yes. I'll be there. I'm there. I'm there. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. Cheers.